All right. We are back for another episode of the Rocks to Roots podcast. I'm your host, Hillary. And with me, as always, is my co-host, Dwayne. What's going on, Dwayne? Not too much, Hillary. How are you doing this fantastic June 1st, which is... It's my this birthday. Is yes, I know. And I'm so glad that the weather is nice today. June 1st always seems to be like, I feel like that kickoff to summer. And I'm finally feeling like it might be there, even though I saw my breath um, like three days ago. <laughs> and celebrate. Right. I, I mean, if it was my birthday, I'd be taking the day off. I'd be on the river or something. <laughs> nope, not when you're 32. We're the holiday. You just gotta get up, get going, and get your shit together. <laughs> Guess I'm gonna say that. I, I swear a lot, so I was gonna ask if that's okay. That's okay. okay. You know what? We just made that rule right now. Great. It's okay. okay. I, always, I always ask usually before I get started because I'm like, hi. Yeah, nope. All right. Well, let's just dive into it. Well, today we have Whitney Jacques, the owner of Verdant Hair Farmstead. So thanks for being here, Whitney. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So let's dive into it. Tell us a little bit about your background and how you first um, got interested in agriculture and farming. So I'm a first generation farmer. I didn't grow up farming. I didn't even grow up around farms, really. Um, I grew up in Alaska. I grew up doing a lot of like hunting and fishing and stuff like that. I love being outside. Um, I had my own little garden space when I was a little girl and I really like plants, but I didn't have any idea like how to actually become a farmer. Okay. And I didn't really become interested in it until I was in my late teens. And then I didn't know any farmers. I didn't know how to get started. Um, I went to WSU and got a certificate in organic agriculture from them and then had an internship through that um, when I was older. But um, I used to see farmers at the farmer's market and be like, oh, I want to do that. But instead of just asking them, I went about it the hard way and just like thought about it a lot and, you know, like wondered how to start <laughs> instead of just like talking to somebody. So that's how I got started. <laughs> so just kind of getting out there, playing around a little bit yourself. Yeah. Um, so did you ever actually, yeah, make a friend with one of those farmers that nope. really kind of pushed you? Nope. nope never, even, never even <laughs> talked to him. No way. Why would I do that? It'd be too easy. What was it about him that made you want to do that? Um, I always wanted to like be outside and be farming for a living. Um, I, I love veggies. I love produce. I love, I like, I just thought it was so beautiful and so amazing. And I love to see all the variety at the farmer's market. And when I lived in Portland, my apartment opened up into the backside of a booth of a farmer's market because they oh, had yes. a huge market right out front of my place. Um, but yeah, I just never thought to just ask, you know, and I'm sure they would have loved to have me because I know I love having people, but I just, yeah, it just never dawned on me to just say, Hey, yeah. <laughs> So what brought you down to the Pacific Northwest from Alaska? Um, I moved to Portland for a little while to go to college. And then I went back to Alaska um, and lived there for a few more years. Um, and then I came down here. My mom had moved here just on kind of a whim. Okay. Um, and so I came down here to stay with my mom for a little bit when I was in my early 20s. And I just haven't left. Uh, so I've been here for, gosh, my oldest daughter's 16. So I've been here for 16 years. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. It's kind of crazy. And WSU grad mm -hmm. had a good time there. Yeah. I, well, I never went. Oh, I, I did it all online. Oh, so, nice. Yeah. Cause I had my oldest daughter. She was little, she was three. And then I had just had my 13 year old. Um, and so I, uh, entered their online program when it was still really young. Um, it was great. It was, it was perfect for me because I was super busy and had a brand new baby. Um, and it was a little different back then, you know, lots of discussion questions, like they couldn't rely on your internet being good. So, you know, it was <laughs> yeah. like, you know, a lot more, you know, st written stuff instead of like video chatting and stuff like that wasn't a thing when I did it. But yeah, so I'd never even been to Pullman before when I graduated from WSU. Wow. I didn't drive. Oh, nice. So, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes that's always good too, though. Yeah. You know, when you're I've been lots of times since and I love it down there, but yeah, I'd never, I'd never gone. Cool. So, okay. So you got your degree, um, you got out of school. What was your first interaction with farming or agriculture? So as part of my certificate in organic agriculture, I had to have an in-person internship. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you can be anywhere and, and do that program online. Um, but you have to find somebody local to do your internship through. And so I, um, interned with a teaching farm out in Cheney that is no longer there. Um, but I had an amazing mentor there who I ended up working with for the next few years after my internship ended uh, and who I just loved. And even sometimes still I'll reach out to him to ask questions and stuff. Um, and it is so helpful to have an in-person mentor like that, like, 
you can learn a lot through books. You can learn a lot on YouTube, Mm -hmm. but having somebody who's actually showing you in person how to do things and learning your area, that's huge. Mm -hmm. So having a mentor is a really big deal. Yeah, definitely. I'm, yeah. I know me myself, very hands on, you know, I yeah. can sit behind oh. a book and I just, there's no way I can grasp. I can't, you know. no, I can't. I can't even like read directions on how to put furniture together. Like I'm like, <laughs> I'll read the first couple lines and then I'm like, ah, you know, like kind of smacking it together. I can't, I can't do it. But in person I can learn all day long. So I just, yeah, I'm super hands on. I'm super visual. Um, I can learn a lot from watching videos. Um, but it's there are certain things that just aren't intuitive for me that I have to have somebody show me how to do. Mm-hmm. So I'm really glad I had that for farming. Well, both of you got to leg up. I have to make the mistake first, you know, yeah. ruin it. And then <laughs> I say, mean, I oh, still do I it fix. too. I do that too, but <laughs> there's a lot of that. Yes. <laughs> that you learn? can show me then I'm going to screw it up and then I'm going to do it again. You know, it's, it's kind of my song and dance. So that learning farm in Chini, was it a vegetable or protein mm-hmm. or both? It was, it was a veggie farm. They had, um, dairy goats, but I didn't work with the dairy goats a whole lot. I liked them a lot. I wanted to, but usually by the time I had gotten to the farm, um, the animal chores had already been done. So they had laying hens and the dairy goats, but I primarily focused on just the veggie side of things. And I got to ask, was it more of the market gardening that's yeah. caught on recently or kind of recently? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was more that's like awesome. that. It was about an acre that was in veggie production. And then they had a pretty cool greenhouse that was, um, the benches were all heated underneath. The air oh, was nice. recycled mm. through the greenhouse. It was really cool actually. Yeah. So you, you, you came up a little spoiled then. A little spoiled. That's awesome. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. That's how I like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, so tell us all about, uh, your farmstead Verdant Hair. So, um, I've been in business since 2019 and I started out just doing garden consults and then, um, kind of doing, um, like a little bit of restaurant sales. And I've done that for a long time, worked with restaurants. Um, but I wanted to be a little bit more official and like really go out on my own thing. I had been farming for a nonprofit for, I think seven seasons and then that farm closed. So I kind of was like, Oh, I, I, I need to do my own thing. And it really gave me a push to kind of go out on my own. Um, and so that's kind of how I got started. And then, um, I've been on two separate properties since I got started. I don't own my own property of rent, I've rent only cause I can't afford the capital for my own property. Okay. Um, and so I started out on one place and I've been on the place that I'm at now for all, almost, this is my second season that I've been there. Um, and so I do mixed veg production. I raise sheep. I have dairy cows. I have, uh, laying hens and meat chickens. And then I sell to restaurants. I run a CSA program. Uh, I teach. I think that's it. So just a few balls in there. <laughs> just, just a couple. Just, I, I do just like a couple things. Yeah. And yeah. how many acres do you have to do all that? Um, I, my garden is only about a quarter of an acre and I have about 12 that I can, 12 to 13 that I can use for grazing. So my, um, my livestock is uh, rotationally grazed, which means I move them around regularly. They don't stay in one place for very long. And I just move electric fencing around to take them around. And then I've trained them to come to the sound of my voice. And so when they're like out and about, I call them back in at night if I feel like it. Um, sometimes it's really successful and beautiful <laughs> and they all come running and I feel like little Bo Peep. And then sometimes it's awful and they all go running in opposite directions and it's you gotta have a little chaos in life right yeah you know i need just a little bit just to keep things spicy i guess (laughs) but yeah oh my god sometimes it's a disaster like yeah it's always when i have something to do right afterwards that it's terrible (laughs) <laughs> they just like run in opposite directions of course yeah okay i gotta ask do you is it like you call them each by a name or you know so like my cows cow? my cows know their names okay. and they know which order they get milked in and so they if yeah. i call one the one will pick up her head and come trotting down um oh and that's really great and it doesn't always work but most of the time it does especially if i have a bucket in my hand because they know they get a treat mm-hmm. um my sheep i just yell sheep and they all pick up their heads and come running again because they think that they get a treat at the end. So 
95% of the time I will have a treat. (laughs) And then sometimes I don't. And the disappointment is real. They get so bummed if I don't have something. But yeah, I just yell super loud and they all just, it's funny. I think you just posted something on Instagram with that. Yeah. And you had him running across. Yeah, that was my awesome. sheep call. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah. And then you can you can always see there's always someone in the back that's like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> that'll just turn and trot off. It's like, oh my God, we were so close. Because <laughs> then once that one straggler takes off, then the rest of them will see that straggler like, and oh. go, oh, what's over there? And then you know you've lost them. That's a terrible feeling. <laughs> So I got to ask, where did you come up with the name? And I hope I'm, I am pronouncing it right. Verdant hair. So verdant is a word verdant. that, that um, f- for me, like really encapsulates kind of the like green pasture feeling image, mental picture that I want when I think about what I'm doing. Um, I like the word herbaceous. I'm kind of an herb nerd, you know, like a word person too. So I wanted something that um, gave you like a really distinct mental picture when you thought about the farm. Mm -hmm. And then hairs I just like, you know, like I I think that they're super clever and fertile and great. And so I I tacked that on there just because it's like an animal that I really admire, I guess. So, yeah. And then I had my friend design my logo, um, which I love. So yeah, I have a great logo. creepy little rabbit on everything, <laughs> which makes me happy. So your farm is here in town mm-hmm. and you said that um, you rent. Mm-hmm. So kind of just talk to us about how you found the land, obtained the land, um, just how that all went. So, um, and where you're at. Okay. So I'm like way deep South Hill, Spokane, um, up on Tower Mountain, um, I have been networking for a really long time. Um, it's been really important to me to make sure that I'm always involved with the ag community. I'm an introverted person, but I like to, um, I like to talk shop a lot. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I always go to conferences and things like that. Um, I take online courses and stuff. Uh, I, it's just something that I like to do. Um, farming can be really isolating, you know, mm-hmm. socially. So, um, it's important to me to reach out to other people that farm. So, um, I'd been going to things like that for a long time. I meet a lot of people that way and I, I'm always listening for opportunities that are popping up for, for if it doesn't fit for me, for somebody else, you know, I'm always trying to hook people up with different things. That's awesome. Um, but this in particular, I knew the women who owned my farm. I had I had been running into them at conferences for a long time and things like that. And, you know, maybe had a couple dinners with them and things like we weren't close, but I knew who they were. They knew who I was and I liked them. They liked me. And then their property had just kind of been sitting for a couple of years because they had stopped farming on their place. They used to run a goat dairy and raise pigs. So they had this big, beautiful barn. They had this fenced pasture and it was all just kind of hanging out. They did a little gardening and stuff like that, but it was never really super productive. Um, and so they had heard that I was looking for a new space so that I could grow my operation. And they reached out to me and had me over and kind of picked my brain about what my plan was. And then I was like, hold on, are you, what? <laughs> Does that, what are you saying? Um, and so anyway, so I ended up, um, taking them up on an offer to rent that space. Um, and that's been great. It's they're they're super awesome because they're experienced with agriculture. So um they're comfortable with checking in on things. Like they, you know, they won't like farm for me, but like if I'm like, hey, can you maybe do the lunch bottle baby feeding or something like that? They'll be like, Yeah, heck yeah, totally. So that's great. Um and it's nice to have people when I'm not there to call me and say something like, oh, Hey, yeah. you got a sheep out. Yeah, that peace <laughs> Definitely. Of mind. Yeah. 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 It's nice. <laughs> they know like what to look for, like what's not right. So that's helpful. So did the, uh, the renting part, was that part of your business plan or did you do a business plan after that? That was part of my business plan. Okay. So you yeah. already knew that that was what you could afford. Yep. That was the route you were going to go. Yeah. That's all. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. I mean, I already knew that there was just no way that I was going to be able to get onto land and it's only gotten worse. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I don't think that I'll ever be able to own my own farm property unless yeah. somebody's <laughs> like, I just can't wait to leave this to you in my will, young lady. Um, because I, yeah, because farming is not lucrative and 
Yeah. Yeah. So going through that, I know a lot of people that are looking to get into farming and mm-hmm. there's a lot of opportunity, especially on the South Hill there on yeah. the Blues Highway. Yep. Uh, is there anything that folks should kind of look out for? Is there any advice you would give for someone who wants to rent? I mean, I would say a lot of people are really stuck on owning their farm, like mm-hmm. really stuck on it or, or stuck on living on their farm. Mm. Um, I don't live on the farm property. I, you know, I only rent the property. I live off farm. Um, I don't live too far away, but still, and it's kind of nice actually to not live there. Cause I would work from the moment I opened my eyes to the moment I shot them at night. And you burnt if, out and like, yeah. Instantly. And I'd be, I'd be exhausted, more exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't want to do that. So, um, I think just, not being married to a certain idea, you know, is really important. Um, say, you know, you want to farm a certain way, but you find this great piece of property that's really inexpensive, maybe amend your plan a little bit to fit that space. Um, and asking people too. That's the other thing is people are always really hesitant to ask, like, you know, if someone has farmland or something and they're not doing anything with it, they might even say things like, Oh, I wish someone was farming this land Mm -hmm. and people will still be hesitant to say, I could do it, you know? Um, but don't, you know, and then if it doesn't work, that's okay. You didn't invest anything into exactly. the property, you know. And the most they say is no, and it's not a big deal. Right. It's not a big deal. And you the just best move they on. say is yes, and you got a new right. job, new life. Just yeah. go. So, I mean, yeah, it, but it's really hard for people to put themselves out there. I just have no shame. You know? <laughs> and I, I'm like, I don't mind being told no. I have no ego about that sort so of thing. So, the moral of the story is just have no shame have and go no out. Have no shame. It. Get out there. If that's what you want to do, do it. You know, I mean, there's nothing stopping you except for your own hesitation. Nice. Yeah. Good advice. Well, and I love that because it just seems like you just have this real desire to just be a lover of the land and a good steward of the land. And, you know, that's, yeah. a, that's a really important message there. I love that. Um, so what were some of the first things that you grew when you were first starting out, when you took over the land? Um, the property that I'm on now, like I had already pretty much like honed in what I wanted to do. Um And so I have a pretty good system down now. When I first started out growing on my own, you don't need that much chard. (laughs) I would would go nuts on like radishes and chard and stuff and then be like, oh my God, like, I don't know. No one is ever going to, I can't eat this. Like, you know, everything in moderation, you have to think about like, what's your end goal? Do you have an actual market for a hundred pounds of radishes or do you not, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. So yeah. So when I first got started, I definitely overdid it on some things and underdid it on others. Um, but the other thing that you have to do too, is build a market for some of your stuff. Like if you really want to grow something or you really want to raise something, you can always find somebody who will want it. You just have to hype it up. Right. Mm-hmm. So oh, definitely. Yeah. Golden beets is a great example of that. Ground cherries. Yep. Holler. <laughs> I love them, you know, and I, I love growing them. But when I first started, nobody even knew what they were. Exactly. And now I have restaurant customers that pay a lot for ground cherries. So oh, yeah. it's great. It's easy. You literally pick them up off the ground. <laughs> so were you influenced more on cash crops after you got away from growing hundreds of pounds of radishes that you couldn't move? <laughs> Or did you just kind of pay attention to what your consumer wanted and just went that route? That's kind of what I do is I pay, I, I really think hard about who my consumer is and what they would be interested in and how I can sell that to them. So like in the case of like my chickens, right? Um, my chicken is not cheap, but their inputs are expensive. And so I have to, I have to kind of take that into account, but you know, I think, of like some of my clients and like who they are and what they're interested in. And I have a a set of clients in my mind that I call crunchy mamas, <laughs> which is not an insult. It just is like, I'm, I'm a crunchy mama. Like I'm like, mm, no GMO, please. <laughs> um, but, uh, but you know, if you're selling to, to those women and you have, pastured chickens that are older. So like my laying hens, I butcher after they're like a year and a half and I sell those as a pastured broth bird. Um, and they have beautiful golden fat and they're amazing and they make the best broth in the world. Are they a table bird? No, but most people just toss those and don't bother to even try Mm -hmm. to sell them. But, but I know my market and I know who will buy and I sell out of those instantly. So it's just kind of, 
um, yeah, knowing my market, like I can't produce enough of certain crops on the space that I'm on to really call anything like a cash crop. Right. Because like, I can't, I can't compete with bigger farms. I, you know what I'm saying? So Mm -hmm. it's like, I have these certain things that I know that I can sell out of no problem. And chicken is Is crazy. Yeah. Which I had no idea. I, I, so I, when I started selling meat birds, I got, um, I got my, um, permitting through the WSDA, to do that and to butcher on site. It's just my daughter and I, we butcher birds at my farm. Um, and I can sell them off the farm. And so I had just gotten my permitting and I like posted something on my Instagram, like, Hey, I am gonna have some chickens if anyone wants them. And I sold out in 20 minutes. Oh wow. Wow. I had no idea. I just, I thought I was going to be like literally sitting on like 50 birds and just like stuffing them into my deep freezer. And then I was like, Oh my God, I have to put a couple away because I'm going to sell all of them. And then I started taking a, you know, like a list for the next time. And I had 80 birds sold and like two days. Oh, you gotta love that. It was crazy. I had yeah. no idea. Yeah. But chicken, man, it's the thing. <laughs> so speaking of the chickens, uh, I've heard everybody that has attended your chicken class, uh, your chicken butchery class, just rave about it. Oh, good. Are you going to be doing it again? I am. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to do it again this year. So it's one of those things where it's like people want to learn how to raise their own food, but they're really hesitant to just try it. And it is really scary because you're taking a life, right? And you want to do it right and you want to do it quick. Mm-hmm. And so if you've never done that before, it's super intimidating. Mm-hmm. And it's easier, I think, if you're doing it to someone else's animals too, you know, like yeah. you can watch them do it first, then you do it. And, you know, we're real calm. It's a it's a chill environment. Like we have a lot of respect for our animals. So it's just like a, it's an, it's, I know it sounds weird, but it's actually a really fun day to just kind of oh, hang no. out and like go through the whole process. So I teach people how to, where like even like where to get chicks from how to brood your chicks what's the next steps how long do you raise them out for how much do they eat and then we go through the whole process of actually butchering them packaging them the whole nine and then oh man yeah do you have an idea when that class is gonna happen um i think i'm gonna do another one in what's today in august and then i'll do one in september and i'll do one in october and i post about them on my social media so as long as we're following Verdant Hair on social media, we'll know about it. Yes. Awesome. So Whitney, was that always part of your business plan too, to be a um, like a learning farm? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Um, did you did it take a while to make that jump or was it just initial? You just got right into it? No, I had started a nonprofit incubator farm um, a few years back, but when COVID started, I realized that I couldn't do it because I couldn't teach in-person classes anymore. And I couldn't, um, I couldn't teach apprentices on the land. So it was a model where I had apprentices that each had their own plot on my, on my farm. Um, and it just wasn't like, everything was just a mess, you know, Mm -hmm. because of COVID. And so, Mm -hmm. um, that was when I really doubled down on my own thing too, was when that hit. And I realized like, you know, people were going to be looking more for local food. I wasn't sure what was going to happen with food shortages and things like that. Um, and I knew that people, more people were going to want to learn. I do a lot of videos too mm-hmm. on things that I'm doing and just like little teaching tidbits. Um, and so I was doing some more of that too, but yeah, um, the teaching aspect on the farm is huge for me. Like I said, I'm a super hands-on learner and mm-hmm. I love having kids out, but I also love having adults out, um, just to learn or even just to experience what it's like to be outside around animals or outside around vegetables. You know, I mean, I cannot believe how many people's minds are just blown by how mm-hmm. things are grown. Right. It's crazy. You know, like they're like, what is that plant? I'm like, that's a potato. <laughs> you know? And they're like, wait, no. what they flower? Like, hell yeah, they flower, <laughs> you know, like, and it's, it's crazy. Like to just watch those lights turn on for people, you know? And I, I've always loved that. So yeah, it's always been a, mm-hmm. it's always been a big facet of my farm is making sure that I have a learning aspect of the farm too. 
So talk to us about just some of those consulting services and the educational workshops. What else do you do out there? So I do, um, I have different workshops that I teach out on the farm. I've done homesteading courses where I teach people like how to milk a cow and how to grow vegetables. And, you know, we do, we go through the whole thing um, and I kind of scale it down for them a little bit so that it's more of, um, it's more accessible for a family versus, you know, I'm in production for my family and for my community. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you were just in production for your family, like there's, it's a little different. So I kind of tailor that whole course to, to that. Um, and then I've, um, I teach the butchery classes. Um, I have students that come out to my farm, um, during the school year, they come out twice a month. Um, and they learn, we do different teaching aspects on the farm, but then they also work, um, which is, it's really fun. They're in third grade. It's a good time. Um, it's work is definitely. Did you say they're in third grade? Yes. Oh, that's Mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah. Today was their last day. It was so fun. Um, and they, you know, they're all fully invested in the farm too. Like they've gotten their families really into it. Like it's super cute. Um, they come out sometimes for different events that I'm having and bring their families because they, they just want to like show their mom and dad like where they've been you know and it's super I love it so much um but yeah it's so I also do consults at people's houses so um answer any questions that they have about gardening um so sometimes it's really basic I've also gone out to other farms to give consults at other farms um and that's really fun and I I like it a lot it's a little difficult for me in the height of season to do it because it's hard for me to take that time Mm um but I've been, I've always been able to work it out somehow and, and I really enjoy doing it too. And it's, it's really nice for me to be able to see their space. Like if I, if I was just to do like a, you know, chit chat with them via email, it'd be harder for me, but it's nice to actually get out and like walk their space with them and, mm-hmm. you know, see where the sun rises and, you know, all that stuff. So yeah. it's, it's, I know helpful. a farm right behind you that would love to have a console. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've heard of this place before, I think. <laughs> Uh, so I want you to talk about how you made that connection with the schools, because I think that's such a great connection and so great that you get third graders to go out mm-hmm. to your farm and to do that. So how did you make that initial, um, relationship with them? So, um, the school that I'm working with right now is Winsong and they're a small private school. Um, and I just so happen to know one of the teachers there Okay, and it's her class and she brings her kids out. Um, she used to live on the property that I'm on Oh wow! and it just was a, was a great, you know, a great connection that I already had with her. Um, it's, it's something that I'm open to with other institutions too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that with some of the public schools, it's a little bit harder to do because the class size is so much bigger. Like mm. Winsong, it's nine kids. Oh. Um, and I could probably take up to like 20 or 30 and I can take huge groups too, but there's only so much of me to go around mm-hmm. and I really like being able to connect with each kid. Um, so smaller groups are usually a little bit easier for me to handle. Um, but larger groups are fine too, as long as they have other adults with them because then I can kind of, um, instruct the adults and then we can all kind of divide and conquer. But, um, but I do like having the small groups of kids. It's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Do the kids gravitate, do the kids gravitate more towards the, uh, the cows, the sheep or right to the veggies? It's actually my dogs, weirdly enough. Like they love my dogs. And so, and my kids, my little girls are with me most of the time. They're five and two. So I have a 16 year old, a 13 year old, a five year old, and a two year old, all girls. Um, and so my older girls are always at school. Um, but my little ones are with me and they love my little girls. So that's, that's awesome. it's the dogs and the girls really <laughs> is the winner. But I was, oh my God, I was dying. So my, my class made me this really beautiful book. And they all illustrated the farm for me and wrote me these like thank you notes and stuff. It was really sweet. And this one little boy, as I'm like flipping through it, he goes, Hey, Miss Whitney, I just want you to know that when I drew the cow, I did not forget the teats. <laughs> I was like, okay. And I look and sure they're like bright pink. And I'm just like, good job. But it's so awesome to like they get like oh, so man. into like all aspects of the farm. Like they're like, I know that this thing is important and I did not forget. I'm like, thank you. 
<laughs> oh, I was dying. It's my favorite. You taught him well. <laughs> yeah, I did. That's That was one of those moments where I was like, yes, I did it. <laughs> That's awesome. So you mentioned um, that you do integrated livestock grazing, Mm -hmm. a great regenerative agriculture practice. Um, Talk to us a little bit more about some of those regenerative ag practices you've adopted on your farm. So I don't till. I I run a no-till farm. We did one really deep till before I got started just to kind of break up what was existing. Um, And then I build beds and I just amend to the top and I do drip. I do do some overhead irrigation, but I'm moving out of that this year. I mostly did that to get the seed rain to come up so that I could knock it back and then add my drip line in afterwards. Um, so that's where I'm at right now. Um, my farm is run on a four, my garden part of my farm, my veggie part, um, is run on a four year rotation. So I have, um, three pieces that are in vegetable production at all times. And then I have a fourth that's in cover crop for the year. So, um, every year it turns, right? So each space over the course of four years will become the cover crop space. And I run my chickens on that cover. Um, so it's not just cover, it's also fodder. Um, and then I move my animals around the property. Um, I'd like to think that it was more strategic than it is. And then, you know, in the beginning of the year, I have these great plans, but then you kind of watch how things are going over the course of the year. Last year was totally different than this year. You know, like this year we've had tons of rain. It's cold. The grass is big. It's green. It's gorgeous. It should stay that way for quite a while. Last year I was feeding hay by July when it was planned to be grazing till October oh, because wow. it was a hundred in June and we had no rain. Rain. Mm-hmm. Like all summer, That's we had no shift. rain. It was awful. It was awful. Everything died um, as far as the pasture went. It was just like I would walk through it and be like, there's just nothing here. Um, and that was something that was hard for me. But again, like I was saying before, not having an ego when you're going into projects, it was like, I can't let them starve. They're going on hay. It's fine. Mm -hmm. You know, like I want them to be on grass. Well, wanting and being able to do are two different things. Um, So with regenerative ag, you kind of have to look at your space, what's working, what's not working, what's working with the season, and then kind of fine tune everything that you're doing to where you're at and -hmm. what's going on Um, and what you're capable of too. That's a hard one for me. (laughs) Yeah. Do you have a cover crop that you go to, a special mix? So I do, I, I break everything down by season. Um, so I did, I've done barley already and peas this year. I did, I put the peas down though in the paddock that my pigs were in. Cause I was thinking, oh, I'll run my pigs over. They'll step the peas down into the mud. The peas will sprout. No, pigs love peas. And they, <laughs> and I would go up there and just hear crunch, 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 crunch. As they just like would, they thought it was like a special treat that I scattered out <laughs> the field for them. So I've had so it's a good learning peas. experience. Yeah. Oh my God. I, you know, they loved it. So it was like, you know what? Win win. Everybody's go. good here. They got some good protein and I learned a lesson. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> um, but I did barley already. I'll do buckwheat because buckwheat's a great summer, um, a great summer cover crop. Comes up super fast. I love, love, love Vesalia um, because it's, you know, it's easy to knock back. It winter kills. Um, it has gorgeous blooms for the pollinators. It's really low growing um, and it's leguminous. So it feeds the soil too oh, so it it's, is yeah it's amazing nice. i know it's a good one and just a handful of facilia will get the bees and Facilia butterflies everywhere. just going. Yes. Yeah, they love it. But you also are now a Facelia yes. farmer. <laughs> um, but I love it. And um, so I do that in the summer. And then in the fall, I'll do um, all of my clover will glow down. I'll put wheat down and I'll put down any grasses that I have. I'll try to put down in the fall too. And I might do another round of peas. We'll nice. see. Yeah. We'll see. Love that down to the science. Um, yeah. So peas and I get, so peas, triticale and barley. I, I get all of those from my feed guy because, um, if you buy cover crop mixes from like the seed companies, it's crazy expensive per pound. Mm-hmm. Um, but I get, you know, seed that germinates just fine from my feed guy for like cents a pound so i just get a garbage can full of oh. seed and cast it all over my farm nice. if you don't mind me asking is that uh me knock me knock yep. yes mm-hmm. yeah out on the palouse out on the palouse there yeah gabriel's my man he is awesome we get our mm-hmm. chicken feed from gabriel great guy i love him 
I've seen him out in the wild a couple times and it's always, oh. my girls are like, oh my God, it's Gabriel. It's so cute. Uh, um, yeah, their feed is great. So what's really nice about them is they're a custom feed mill and um, people always ask me, you know, should I come all the way out there? And um, because I talk to people that are in other parts of the, uh, parts of the state too. Um, but it's not hard to find a custom feed mill close to where you are. And what's great about those is one, they're less expensive than buying from like your big box feed store. Um, but you can also get things custom milled. So like for me, I don't want corn, I don't want soy and I don't want GMO and they know that. And so I get a custom blend from them when I go in. So, um, it's nice because if you have a good relationship with somebody like that, you can, you can get exactly what you want. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So get to know your local feed people. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. So um, you mentioned that you do offer a CSA. So yes. talk to us about that CSA program, how it's been for you. Um, so last year I did a 20 week CSA for 10 people. And this year I'm doing a 10 week CSA for 20 people because, um, by the time the CSA was at the beginning of the CSA, people were really excited, but it was a lot of greens. And by the end of the CSA, people were exhausted and didn't, I had a few people that just stopped showing up because Mm. they were like, I don't want to eat any more vegetables. (laughs) So then I thought, okay, I'm going to just shorten the season. Um, it's from July through September. So they get all the peak things that everybody gets excited about. We call it a day. So, and I'm still making the same amount of money, um, that I would be before it's, you know, it's half the price, but it's twice the people. So, um, I feel like it's like more manageable for me because it's not, you know, too long of the season, but I really love doing a CSA cause I get a lot of families that come up and they get to see the farm and meet me. And, um, I have a lot of people that are gardeners that get a CSA. So then they ask me a lot of garden questions and it's a really yeah. fun morning. I really enjoy it. Um, so I do a veggie CSA and then I also have an egg add on that people can get to when they, oh, when nice. they join. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's nice. Cause I feel like it's kind of one-stop shop. And yeah. then when I have chickens available, I can sell chickens to them too. So yeah. Then I'm kind of like your summer grocery store. There it is. Love yeah. it. <laughs> I'm loving this. This is why you talk to your, to your local farmer or other yes. farmers. Cause one of my, uh, I was always trepidatious about getting into CSAs cause that beginning of the season. So just greens, like, yeah, you said. just cut it out. Just cut it out. Yeah. yeah there you go. You yeah. Do a three month CSA. Yeah. Be successful. It's make easy. everybody happy. Yeah. And the nice thing too, is like with greens and stuff like that, you just have a farm stand, right? People come out, yes. they love it. They're happy to eat greens. You know, like I'm like chomping at the bit around this time of year to start getting a lot of good greens in my body. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can get those people that really want that, but, um, and then you have your restaurant customers and stuff like that, that are always going through greens like nobody's business but it's a tough sell when you're like here's a box and that's what you get is like you've got arugula you've got lettuce you've got kale like people are like oh my god (laughs) but i mean i love it but it's not for everybody Mm -hmm. so yeah instead of trying to like do that hard sell i was just like i'm done no we don't need to do that like if you want these things you know i'm here super smart thank you do you do a farm stand at all I do. Okay. Um, and it's not regular because I don't want to. <laughs> I know that sounds terrible. It's like, it's not like I'm a commitment phobe because I'm always there anyway, <laughs> but it's just sometimes it's a lot of work for me and it's a lot of extroverting for me to do a farm stand. And so I really have to be ready, like mentally to do it. Mm-hmm. I love them though. And my, my girls usually give people farm tours while I'm, oh, I'm nice. doing stuff. So that's really awesome too. Um, but I, I advertise them on social media and I try to line them up with my neighbor who's a flower farmer, Beth's at Snapdragon. Yeah. Um, so she does farm stands, um, during the summer. And so if it's, if we're both doing it, it's great because people get to see her and do her whole thing. And then they come and visit me and they get to see the animals and that's really fun for folks. So, um, I did a couple of them last year and I did a big one in the fall and it was so awesome. Cause I'll have like yarn from my sheep and I'll have all my fall produce and all that stuff. And, and those are, those are great. And people get that like pumpkin spice moment and their flannel out in the field <laughs> yeah. with my cow and it's, it's great. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So I got to ask with all the farms that are there, are you a part of the Spokane, South Spokane Farm Corridor? I'm not. And I think it's because it seemed like when I was reading about it that they want some kind of regular 
stand open stand on opening yes. and i just don't want to i just okay. don't want to there you go <laughs> So you're like, come on by, I'm there. But <laughs> but it's it's hard because I do have my CSAs at the same time, you know, and I really like to be able to just talk to the my CSA folks when they mm-hmm. show up. And so I didn't want it to be like a, every Saturday I have CSA and I have the stand. Yeah. I just don't. It's just me, you know, at my farm. Like, I, I don't yeah, know thanks. if I've got it. Yeah, it's just me. So. Wow. Yeah. More power to you. Yeah. There's only so much of this to go around. (laughs) (laughs) So would you say that Verdant Hair, I don't know why I can't say that word. It's fine, I know. (laughs) It's like my last name where people are like, what is this? (laughs) So would you say Verdant Hair has been viewed more of a business for you or more of a lifestyle? I'd say it's both. I mean, I always tell people that farming is my hobby. It's my job and it's the love of my life. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's all of those things at once. Um, and so it is my job. Um, it's my business, but it's also, I mean, my, my, my whole life is beholden to my farm and my animals and the seasons, you know, Mm -hmm. that's all, you know, it's, my everything revolves around that. Um, obviously my children too, but, (laughs) um, but I mean, they also know like, Hey, it's this time of year. Like even my oldest, you know, she's in high school and she's like, Oh yeah, I would go to that thing, but we've got chickens to butcher that weekend. So I can't, you know? And it's like, yep. You know, but you know, it's just how our life works, you know, or, you know, she's talking about going to college and she's like, yeah, you know, it'll be cool. But I, I hope that I have like a little growing space because I really don't want to eat that grocery store lettuce, you know, Oh, you know, but then that'll be in spring. You know, it's like our whole life is like, you know, and it's not something that they really think about now, but I think as they get older, they'll realize like, oh, this is different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Different, but better. Yeah. Different, but good. Yeah, okay. for sure. Yeah. So what aspect of the farming really gets you? Is it the hanging around with livestock to watching a seed go to veg? Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's all those things. Is there anything that really just pulled you in though? And um, I think it was, I, th- it's mostly, I'm just an, I love eating, you know? And so, and I want, I, and I'm, I'm a spoiled lady and I like to spoil myself, you know, and I want the very best. Um, and so for me, the very best is things I grow myself. So, um, I think that's it for me is, is I've never had a moment where I felt more proud of myself than when I'm sitting down at my table with my family, I'm looking at my plate and I'm saying, everything on here from the fat to the meat to the veg to the starch i grew all of this myself and that's it for me that's amazing self-sufficiency it's amazing like i cried the first time it (laughs) happened i was like holy shit i did it you know like what it's it's yeah, it's wild. And then to like look around at my family and be like, you see this? You guys? <laughs> you <know>? yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a good feeling. So where would you like to see your um, farmstead in like the next five, 10 years? I'd like to have things dialed in to where, um, to where it's more productive, um, because right now I, I'm easily distracted by certain things. I'd like to have a greenhouse on my property because mm. I run a greenhouse at the main market co-op right now and I do their plant sale, but I also grow for my farm from that greenhouse. But it would be nice for me to be able to have everything in house um, because I travel, I'm traveling a lot, like I'm driving a lot mm-hmm. um, and I'd like to cut that out. But um, yeah, but just like everything kind of being centrally located, I don't want to grow as far as space goes, maybe renting some pasture to like run my animals on because it'd be fun to have have more of them. Mm-hmm. Um, like I really love having the sheep and I would love to have a, a larger flock of sheep. Um, but I think, I think I really like what I'm doing now. Like if I could just get a little more dialed in with making sure that things were, um, more on a schedule, like my classes and things like that. So people knew when to anticipate those things. Um, but I'm feeling pretty good. Like, I feel like I got, I'm doing exactly what I want to do. just like little, little tune tuning here and there. Mm-hmm. And then that's, that's it for me. And then all my girls will be in school in like, I don't know, 
three years or something. Mm-hmm. It's not off the whole day. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been loose for the whole day, so I don't know what that's going to be like, but I imagine I'm just going to pack it full of stuff. Ugh, yeah, it'll be wild. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, you should definitely be very proud. I mean, you're such a great resource to the community. It's Thank you. awesome to have you as a resource here. Um, so let our listeners know how they can get a hold of you, where they can find you, um, Instagram, social media. Yeah. Like so I am really active on my Instagram. Um, I have a Facebook. It's linked to my Instagram. So if you follow me on one, you'll see what's happening on the other. It's all pretty much the same. Um, I have a website and I do have a chicken list on my website where you can like sign up and get an email when chicken's available. If that's what you're interested in. My phone number is literally all over the internet. Um, (laughs) I always encourage people if they have questions about things to send me an email or, um, a text, do not call me. Um, not because I don't want phone calls, but because I live and work rarely. And so I don't actually, my phone like doesn't ring. I just get a voicemail forever later and it's really frustrating and I'll, I'll never call back because I forget. Um, so yeah, so always reach out. I get a lot of questions. I was on, um, Washington grown for a couple of years. I did a spot on there. Um, I did like a little, um, teaching segment on every episode that they had for the last couple seasons. And that was really great. And I would get emails from people like, Hey, I saw this thing and I had more questions about it. And I really love that. Like I want people to be asking questions. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, so social media is lovely and I get a lot of questions and stuff through there too. And I think that people really enjoy being able to follow along with my critters and me and my veggies and whatever weird stuff I'm up to on there. Yeah. You could come up with some really great names too, I got to say. Oh, good. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> and I love the video of your two little sheep that you say aren't your favorite. But oh my God. I know I love them favorite. so much. <laughs> I know I try really hard not to have favorites, um, but I totally have favorites and it's, yeah, it's real obvious. I mean, they follow me around like dogs on the farm. Like, yeah. I mean, they know they're my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Are we ready for the Spitfire round? Let's do it. Okay. Let's go for it. Um, Okay, Whitney, I'm really curious if there is a food that you just absolutely could not live without. Oh, liver. Liver. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I love it. I'm a liver lover. Is it like a special way to prepare liver? I've never eaten it. Um, I dredge it in cornmeal and egg, and then I fry it after I've soaked it in buttermilk. Mm, That actually does sound pretty good. It is really good. I promise. Yeah. Health benefits with liver? Yeah. It's really chock full of like minerals and and things that are good for you. All organ meats actually are pretty great for you. So what's your favorite movie and do you have a quote from it? Oh my God. Uh, I really love Rushmore. Um, Let's see. Um, And I love when they're out to dinner and he says, these are OR scrubs. And he says, oh, are they? (laughs) (laughs) Brennan's br- blushing. <laughs> it's like one of my favorite movies. It's oh, so nice. good. I know. I love that movie so much. Um, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? Um, I would love to be able to see through people's clothing. No. Yeah, there you go. We have not had that one before. I love it. Never be shy or embarrassed no. again. Oh, just give me a good chuckle all the time, I think. <laughs> What's the one vegetable... That you could not live without? Um, I love cabbage a lot. Um, yeah. And it, well, how about how about this? What if I say brassicas? Because oh, then I get a whole range. That's true. But yeah. technically, it's all the same plant. It is mm, all from Brassica oleracea, right? Yeah. right? That's what I can't live without. <laughs> Basinga. That's what happens when you get someone smart on you. I was going to say, <laughs> man, like, <sighs> you must be a farmer. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a favorite emoji? I'm really bad with emojis, but I love the eggplant peach combo and the, um, I love the like crying a fountain one. I use that one a lot. Usually I post emojis when we post the show, but I don't, know. <laughs> I don't think you should do that. Am I drawing a whole different section of crowd? Oh my saying? God. I know. I think people are always surprised um, when they start to follow me, when they see things like that, they're like, Oh my God, what is this lady doing? And I'm like, mm. yeah. Anyway. <laughs> All right. And then one question we always have to ask our guests, 
Beatles or the Rolling Stones? I hate the Beatles hard. I hate the Beatles hard. Yeah. Okay. So it would have to be the Rolling Stones for me, (laughs) which I'm not like a massive fan of, but I would 100% take that over the Beatles. Sorry, not a popular. Nice. Is it because of Lennon or just because of? Yeah, their... he sucked. Uh, also, I hate Paul McCartney's music. I think it's hot trash. Okay. Um, I do. <laughs> there. Sorry. No, I'm not there this. There was this. Um, there were these Beatles albums that came out in like the '90s that were like all those these like Beatles demos that I like because they're like really rough and like they're not like highly produced, but all of their like produced music I think is not good. <clears throat> All right, there's going to definitely be some comments. I know, I know, (laughs) unpopular opinion, but it's just, yeah. Oh, my least favorite song in the entire known universe is Here Comes the Sun. I hate that song so much. And when summer happens and people are like, just like, just jamming it onto every reel on the internet, I want to die. So just should we like nope. go no, out of there interview? you should absolutely oh god i hate it so much <laughs> well whitney this has been such a fun interview i think we're gonna have to take our show on the road and go up and check out the farm and hang do out it. with you a little bit more because yeah you are yeah. such a cool chick thank Thanks. you for all you do for the community um make sure you go and check out verdant hair check her out on social media visit her website um and shoot us with any questions you want us to pass on to whitney thanks for being here thank you <laughs> thank you for having me Rocks to Roots is sponsored by the Office of Farmland Preservation. Office of Farmland Preservation is a program within the Washington State Conservation Commission that works to address the rapid loss of working farm and forest lands in our state. Together, the Washington State Conservation Commission and conservation districts provide voluntary, incentive-based programs that empower private landowners to implement conservation on their property. You can learn more about their programs and services by visiting their website, scc.wa.gov.